Welcome to John Wayne Lied to You, the storytelling podcast featuring me, John Wayne. That's right. I am your confidant, your lover, your secret mother, the one you know from beyond and to the end. John Wayne is here. That's right. I am here. Welcome. This is a very special episode. Uh, I am sitting in uh, Houston, Texas. Boy, home of old Wayne Manor. And all of the evilness that lie there. It's now in ashes and burned. But I have returned because I'm here at Houston Horror Film Festival Convention. Um, and I, I'm happy to be here. But what I'm more happy about is that I have a very special guest for this episode. Uh, this was a, uh, this is a, I, I, you guys know I bring you guests who are like, wow, why did they kick a pull someone like that? Well, fuck you, because this is the one right here. I've been meeting this, this is somebody I've met uh, in my con life, and you guys know, you listen to the show, I talk about my con friends, I talk about the people that I meet, and what makes it special, and makes this, uh, so rewarding for me, and fulfilling, uh, this is one of those people that's right there, up at the top, uh, he is a wrestler, he is a bad motherfucker, he is a horror aficionado, he will kick in your door, and then you, he will get shot by you, he's a bad-ass motherfucker, Gator McAllister is here, Gator! What is up, my brother? What? John Wayne. That's right. Oh, uh, what's up, dude? We also have Scarlet in the house. The lovely Hi. Scarlet. The lovely Scarlet. Oh, thanks. Hi. Hey. We are here. We're at the Houston Horror Film Festival, whatever convention, whatever this is called. And uh, I, Gator's been here hanging out all weekend. Now, Gator's somebody I met. We met in Charlotte across a candlelit room. We looked. Yeah. Our yeah. eyes met. Our eyes locked and, you know, we the like, rest is history, as, as they say. Right. And we now have, like, a, like a, a really cool tax break in a lot of states. But <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, no, you were like, you know, you, you, you know, I'm out there. I talk to everybody. I put it like, hey, how you doing? Da, 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 da. You know, you meet people, whatever. But Gator, like, hung out and we, we struck up a, a conversation and an instant bond. He is someone I'm, I'm happy to call my brother. Uh, but you are, uh, and when I say like a bad motherfucker, look, I'm a bad motherfucker. All right, you are. But but like, <laughs> it's like I was like um, the bad motherfucker. Like it's like, oh, here's the bad motherfucker club, sir. Um, and I'm like, welcome. And they're like, I'm like, hey, can I have a key to the corporate bathroom? And they're like, absolutely not. Because that's what Gator has. He's like, you're at that level. Gator so, has his own bathroom. So, talking about. so we'll just get into this. So Gator, you, I, I want to talk, you are a, uh, a retired professional wrestler. Yes, I, I retired, um, I guess it's been about three years ago now. So when we first met, mm -hmm. me and you, or I was actually still a wrestler at that time. Mm -hmm. Um and like you said, we met in North Carolina, Charlotte at, uh, I believe it was Mad Monster Mad Party. Mad Monster Party. Which is an awesome convention. Great convention. I'll um, see you there a couple months from now. No, older, couple weeks. fatter. You know, I was like, okay, maybe it's time to hang up the boots. But I had a good run. I had a 33-year run as a professional wrestler. Right, and that's how I want to talk about some of that. Because I know I have like a lot of wrestling fans. Who Boney is here, by the way, too. Boney! Absolutely. Boney was just jingle jangling. Uh, Boney's the, he's the master of ceremonies at the conventions now. <laughs> so, cause I have a lot of, you know, people who, who are wrestling fans who listen to the show. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, wrestling has become something like it's it's always been its own kind of thing. But I think maybe in the last like twenty years or so, it's kind of like it has become its own entity almost. <laughs> like uh, it's a huge, huge deal. Like people live and die by wrestling. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just WWE or like how like it's not just that. Like you have all these right. smaller like kind of sex of like uh, not not X S E. Oh, there's lots of sex, but like um, <laughs> like these. Like a, like a genre, like of metal, you know? It's yeah, like you have yeah. I mean, you have your, you have your independent, there's it, like it, the yeah. independent there promotions, you have the hardcore promotions, uh, you have your top mainstream, which currently is AEW mm-hmm. and WWE. Um, Japanese wrestling is yeah, that's, huge. That's always been a, like a, right now, that's kind of yeah, like blown up right yeah, in the last I mean, few years. Because and, there's a, what's that, le- the wrestling, the what do they, what do they call it? Is, it? is it a league? What's the what's the appropriate way to 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 like the federation? The yeah, it, it's, a, it's some of them are federations. Um, some of them are associations. I don't okay. know why they call it that, but um, there's not really a league per se. Like, okay. uh, some people are like, oh, well, that's the minor league of wrestling. Well, no, there's it's not baseball. There's no minor league. Yeah, no, um, but like the one, like I guess like these these independent circuits or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Like, the independent circuit is yeah. what, what other professional wrestlers would call it as an independent circuit. Yeah. Um, and honestly, twenty years ago was phenomenal mm-hmm. for the independent scene. Mm-hmm. Um, independent wrestlers were booked six, seven nights a week. We were making lots of money. Vince McMahon, who owns WWE, WWF, whatever they want to call it now, right completely changed the face of the wrestling business in doing so he made himself a billionaire but he killed what we were doing you can you can literally any night of the week you can sit in at home on your couch with a cold beer watch wrestling on tv Mm -hmm. so why would you spend money to go sit front row at a wrestling show and watch a bunch of guys that you don't know who they are now that's okay. So there's a lot of like I guess comparisons I can draw to that. Now is that like a double edged sword though? Because having like wrestling on like a national something that like everyone has access to like that does it? it so or maybe the goal was to like bring it in more to popular like people could have more access to it and they'd be like oh is there like live wrestling in the town I can go oh I can go check that out like on Wednesday oh shit because Raw comes on Monday or whatever right like right. did it do that as well did it help to bring but at the same time it was killing smaller markets like how because it seems like that's a slippery it is, slope it really is almost like a catch-22 double-edged sword situation because it's like you said you know it brought wrestling more mainstream mm-hmm. so it opened the eyes to a lot more people i mean you had hulk hogan on the cover of sports illustrated magazine mm-hmm. which was something uh, you know that you didn't see and in Rocky, um, you in had Rocky The Rock <laughs> and Stone Cold Steve Austin on the cover of Time in in Newsweek and all of this, which yeah. was things you didn't see. Right. So the world was opened up to professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, in a way, it would open people's eyes, and they would like, oh, well, we've got a smaller show here; we could go check it out. But I mean, honestly, you yourself, if you could sit at home. Mm-hmm. With an ice cold brew, mm-hmm. and watch The Rock against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Saw it for free, mm-hmm. or you can go pay ten dollars to sit in a hot bingo hall or a hot gymnasium at an armory and see 
Bobby Blue Blood against Joe Blow. What are you gonna do? Well, I see, and I, I see it. I'm gonna play like I'm gonna play a little bit of a devil's advocate, just to pull from my experience of like being a musician and playing in bands right. for 20 plus years. Right. It's like so. I could do that. I could stay at home and listen to music in my house. But if you truly love music and you love perform the live performance, like right. the whole all of that, you'll seek that out. You have yep. the people yep. that will. Yes, they will stay home and watch the fucking thing and they have all the records and they, they're watching like whatever, but they're still like, oh man, what's going on? Oh, there's a fucking, this band is here. Like, and maybe that's the local band. Maybe it's a regional act that comes through. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know, just from the band perspective, but, but other people like, here's another thing. Like people consume things differently. Right. And people like, it, it's... I, I, I'm surprised by how many people I talk to that are like, yeah, I don't really like to go see live music. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? Are you a communist? What's happening? Yeah, like, something's wrong soul? with them. If they don't like live music, something's I, definitely wrong. Well, I mean, I, I, I get I guess like I get it. Entertainment? No, like live music. Because some people are just like, hey, I'd just rather listen to it on my thing at home. I don't really want to go stand around. But like from somebody that's into that or somebody that's a musician, like I get fed from that like i right. like to go right. see like a small band play in the bar close to us or whatever because i'm like fuck yeah for, you know you almost are like yeah that's good that's right how right I feel. and, and so, the wrestling business is similar to that because there are those fans uh, that are just hardcore yeah you know so it doesn't matter what the promotion is who's on top who's mm. on the bottom who's the, the the curtain jerker which is the first match they're going to go. <laughs> I'm at a couple of curtain jerkers myself. <laughs> They're going to go just because it's a live event. But where it hurt us was I'd been on several, several shows where we would have a thousand people in a National Guard armory or a big school gymnasium. Mm -hmm. After everything kind of blew up, went mainstream, those thousand people who were hardcore fans dropped to three and four hundred people. Then it would drop a little more and a little more. And then eventually it got to the point where the promoters couldn't afford to pay all of the wrestlers to come in. Yeah. Um, in front of 20, 30 people is basically what happened. Yeah. No, so, I, yeah, I understand that. And with you being a musician and, and having your own band, you know what it's like when, when you, you know, to you play to you, like a full, full house one night and the next night you go and it's like the bartender right right like somebody that's mad that they're there and you're like right. why are you even here and they're like i don't know so it's like yeah exactly yeah like that but um it, it's very similar but it's very like the psychology behind it is similar and fascinating to me right because i would be like i, I don't know like, this is just me this is the way i think which we're not like everybody you probably think feel the same way like if I was like a kid and I was like, oh my God, what is the, like, when I was a kid, I was a giant pussy and I also wasn't allowed to go anywhere, do anything, but I did love Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, which I had to watch in secret from my mother. Sorry, mom. I know you're listening to this. <laughs> Guess what? I jerked off all over our old house. Um, what? She knows. Was it the farmer's daughter? <clears throat> oh, farmer's daughter. Hollywood Vine. Hollywood. <laughs> you know what? You know what happens? Like what actually goes down on the corner of Hollywood and Vine? Yeah. La fucking sucking. Yes. All kinds. A lot of, of ladies there that like to proposition. That's why I was so. Ladies of the night. That's why I. They were sex workers. That's and why I liked Hollywood and Vine so much. Work. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> they were. Let, all Everybody's got to make a dollar, right? 
Yeah, like but but like I, I think like I would if I would have known or had expo- if I would have been like, what is this Hulk Hogan? What is this? What the fuck is this? Oh my god, this is awesome! And if my dad were like, oh, you know, there's like wrestling like on Friday night down at the thing, I'd be like, what the fuck? Why aren't you taking me? <laughs> you know, and I would want to go every time, right. even though like again, this is just people look at things differently, and we could like yeah, make that yeah. argument. But to me, I would be like so into something like that. I would right. be like, I have to like it would be like that would be my Hulk Hogan. I wouldn't be going there like, is Yosemite Memorial here now? Blah. I would be like, dude, that's my fucking other. and that's that's just how I feel about other like artists or right. other writers, like in my you know, my peers and stuff like that. And and uh so that's just it's so interesting that that's how that shit works. And you yep. never know what's gonna fucking take a piece of the pie and right. take your legs right. out exactly. from under you. Exactly. Um but damn, so where did you start in this wrestling? Am I to picture a young gator? Uh, maybe you're like a, a not, maybe a, not a full grown gator. Maybe you're like a um, minnow or whatever, like a like a gator egg. Gator egg. Gator. You got your onesie on in the gym and you're flipping. No, you know, the baby slinglet. Like you got the slinglet on. Is that what we're talking about now? Is that where we started? Uh, no. Not. No. Okay. Not. Okay. Not completely the picture that's painted there, but um, no, I, I grew up in Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, hence my bad Southern draw sounded like a redneck hillbilly. I think is a sexy. Also, oh, shouts out to Kentucky Tony, Tony Evans, <laughs> one of my favorite boys from Kentucky. Hey, fuck that bucket of mud, dude. Anyway, hey, hey like you, you know what the difference between a redneck and a hillbilly is? Kentucky? No, I don't know. <laughs> a hillbilly will fuck his sister. A redneck will fuck yours. Oh, oh <laughs> but who does both? Uh, who does both? Uh, that I don't know. We'll figure it out. They probably live in West Virginia. I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah, that West Virginia. There you go, West Virginia. No, um, I grew up in Western Kentucky, small town. I grew up on Memphis wrestling. Um, I'm sure you've got some listeners that are familiar with Memphis wrestling, Jerry, the King Lawler, mm-hmm. Bill Superstar Dundee, Dirty Dutch Mantel. Mm-hmm. Um, Memphis was the hotbed in the seventies for professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's anybody came through Memphis or out of Memphis. Um, the fabulous ones, the rock and roll express, um, with the, the Von Erics, the Von Erics came through. They were a Texas. They were. Oh, that's right. They're Texas. They're, they're Texas because they boys. like wrestled at the fucking uh, Sporta- Dallas Cowboys arena. Yeah, the Sportatorium like yeah. and all of that. Um, the Rock started in Memphis. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Stone Cold Steve Austin came into Memphis when he was still really green to the business. So anybody that was So this there. is kind of like, a, like I'm going to go to Hollywood. Like, if I'm going to be an actor, I'm going to go to Hollywood. If I'm going to be a musician, I live in Texas, I'm going to Austin. Or exactly. Nashville, in like, in the it, late 70s. But this 70s, is like on a national scale. Like, in the late 70s, yeah. early 80s, if you wanted to be a well-known professional wrestler, you went to Memphis, Tennessee and worked for Jerry Jarrett. Nice. Um, but they had a territory. They would run Memphis, Nashville, Arkansas, like uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Louisville, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. Evansville, Indiana. Evansville, Indiana was only 40 miles from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. So every Wednesday night, we would go down to the uh, old Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Mm -hmm. sit around ringside and watch the shows. I always bought the pictures from the guys and got the autographs, about like I do here at the cons, you know. 
uh, every Wednesday night. This was like a weekly. This thing. was a weekly thing. And every see, Wednesday at that, night. Uh, that age, all I got on Wednesday night, my mom dragging me to church. <laughs> Sorry, mom, I jerked off all over your house. <laughs> I love you, mom. My mom is my biggest fan. These are all jokes. My mom, I love you, mom. She knows. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, but um, but every Wednesday, see, that's like a weekly thing. That seems like yeah. that's so cool. Like so, these things that are like lost to us now. That it's like awful. But anyway, right, ahead. right. And you know, I'd buy the pictures. I'd get the autographs. Um, I'd buy a program. Every week there was a program, and it would have what happened on TV through the week listed, uh-huh. who's fighting who, and a, and a rundown of the card for the night. Did they have like and, a poster or anything like that? No, no. Nah, like- nah. Jerry Lawler actually did the artwork for most all of them himself. Oh, cool. Um, so they were really neat. Actually, cool. I think I've got some at home. If I can find them, I'll bring them to you or send them to you. That'd be you, cool. You know, just some wrestling memorabilia stuff. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. But... um. There was an ad one night. If you've ever dreamed of being a professional wrestler, send a self-addressed stamped envelope, some pictures to this address in Nashville, Tennessee. So I did. I was 15. Nice. Um, I was a football player. Yeah. So at 15 years old, I was 6'2", about 270, with a beard. I mean... <laughs> Fifteen Scandin- Scandinavian heritage, brother. I can't even grow <laughs> grow a beard now, dude. I'm a like- full grown man. <laughs> That's right, everyone. So were you like, what is it like a tight end or like what do they call a linebacker? Were you like a linebacker? Actually, I was like half of the front line. I was <laughs> I was the center. He's I was like- the center. I was the nose guard. Um, I protected the quarterback, you know, and hiked and stuff to the quarterback, but uh. I sent everything in, and it took a couple of weeks, and I got a letter back saying, all right, be at this location in Nashville, which was the fairgrounds, and that's where they ran their shows there. Yeah. Um, on this day at this time. Boom. That was it. So I showed up. There was me and about 12 other guys that all showed up, and we're sitting around, and a little red uh, Ford Escort pulls up, and Dirty Dutch Mantel, who... A lot of people might know as Zeb Coulter from WWE. Looks like Yosemite Sam. Right. We the people, that guy. Okay, yeah. Um, he pulls in, gets out of his car, walks up, and he's like, all right, everybody's supposed to bring me a little money. We all give him a, the money that he told us to bring. He's like, okay, now run. And we're like, huh? He's like, right down there's a racetrack. Run to the racetrack and back, and you'll run until I'm tired. And he ran all of us until we were laying on the ground puking our guts up. Yeah. And uh, he said, now be back on Thursday. This was on a Tuesday morning. He said, be back Thursday morning. Thursday morning, me and one other guy showed up. Everyone else had dropped out. And, oh, uh, I got He you. said, okay, run until I'm tired. And he ran us again until we were laying on the ground throwing up. Mm-hmm. I'll see you guys Tuesday morning, 8 a.m., be here. Tuesday morning rolled around. I showed up. The other guy didn't. Dutch says, now we can start. Oh shit! And um, that's like some Yoda shit, right yeah, there. Yeah, he said like, he had to, to weed out the week, you know. But he still got that money. Oh yeah, <laughs> genius. Yeah, yeah, he still got the genius. money from him, you know. And um, so we ended up inside of the building there where the ring was set up, and it was a great experience for me. I'm scared to death. I was a 15 year old kid. Damn, dude. And um, yeah. I'm in the ring with guys that I watch on a weekly basis. He's got them in there, like um, the Godfather, the whole train, and you. He used and to own the nightclub in Vegas where they filmed Showgirls. 
She's the Vegas historian. Um, It's uh, up there by Circus. It was up by Circus Circus. They sold it. The, not the crazy horse. Uh, is that where the, the naked pool is that I'm going to go to? Oh. That's not Sapphire. But, but he was in Memphis at the time wrestling as the Soul Taker. Okay. The Undertaker was in Memphis at the time wrestling as the Master of Pain. Um, there was a guy named Chris Champion who went to WCW Cheetahs? as... Yes, Cheetahs. Godfather used to own and run Cheetahs. Awesome. Yeah, um, it's a great one. Chris, was, R.I.P. Chris Champion... Um, who went to WCW as Yoshi Kwan. He was like a ninja kind of guy. Uh, uh, All of those guys worked with me. And um, then Dutch went to WCW as the Desperados or something. They were trying to find Stan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Look it up online. It's oh, funny yeah. as hell. Um, so I ended up going to Patrick Swayze's cousin's. Who his name was Bruce Swayze. He was Bruce at, Swayze. No, <laughs> he was in Bruce. Franklin, Kentucky, and owned a wrestling gym and school up there. Okay, and that's where I went and finished up my training. And a few months later, Dutch calls me and says, "Hey, I've got this show. I want to bring you down here." I'm like, "Great!" I show up, and he goes, "You're refereeing." And I went, "I wasn't trained to be a referee. I was uh, trained to be a fucking wrestler, you know." And uh, he goes, well, "This is how you got to do it to get your start." And um, so I went and bought a referee shirt and I refereed all the matches that night and did that three or four times for him before he actually used me as a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And my very first wrestling gimmick, I was Jason. Like from Friday the 13th? From Friday the 13th. Like you were straight up Jason Voorhees. I was Jason Voorhees. I carried a legit machete (laughs) and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, Did that for a few shows for Dutch. Then I went to work in Bowling Green, Kentucky for a guy named Dale Mann, who is an old, old school guy. Mm. And um, my wrestling name was Jumpin' Joe Hopkins, which so is my real name. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. If he were to have a real name, maybe it would be that. No, um, so... I, I lost my life. See, that's what I do to make <laughs> a joke. Or you ask him if he'd come up with that name or like... Oh yeah, so is the guy, so are the promoters or who have the that are hiring you, you for the are they like now you're this or you're coming in like okay so now I'm jumping like Joe. It, it depends. Like I couldn't think of anything, so whenever I got there for Dale, he was like, "What's your gimmick? What's your name?" And I'm like, so I told him my name, and he goes, "Okay." He's like, "What's your your gimmick name?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't really have one." He goes, "Okay." He goes, well, I'll just call you the Blue Buffalo from Buffalo, Nebraska. And I said, no, you won't. (laughs) Not at all. The Blue Buffalo. So when my music hit, which at the time was Motley Crue, like kickstart my heart. You know, that's what I used for my first ring music. Um, They announced me as Jumpin' Joe Hopkins. I run to the ring. I'm nervous. They've got like, they don't have a canvas. They've got a vinyl mat cover you know like the old gym um, mats like those old gym mats like yes yes it was like the red white and blue it's real heavy vinyl almost like your banners that you hang at the con is there padding or no is it there, over just like concrete? so that's that's one of the, no. <laughs> the misconceptions most rings are made out of steel there's like two inch steel pipe that runs across about every 12 to 18 inches okay you lay three quarter inch plywood on top of that on top of the plywood usually is some type of a carpet. 
Uh, it'll be like this carpet here in this hotel. They're really thin. Like they you don't up. see any shag. You don't yeah. see, you know, and, and that's it. So when we fall, we're hitting the carpet and the wood and the steel. That's where you get that sound from. The wood, <laughs> the wood slapping the steel is what makes that sound. Gotcha. Um, but I run out of the dressing room, Motley Crue going, I'm ready. I hit the side of the ring and busted my fucking ass. Because the guys that were in the match before me sweated oh, no. all over it. Yeah. You know, so here I am, a 15-year-old kid in front of about, there was probably 130 people in the building. So not a great big crowd. But for me, it was I like sell, being dude. in Madison Square Garden, yeah. you know. And did. I literally slid halfway across the ring and fell dead on my ass. And everybody starts laughing. And I'm like, okay, I'm dead. You know, I'm, I'm done. I'm dead. I'm Just go ahead and shoot me. Um but it that would be out. awesome if the people before you wrestling were the Crisco kids. And that's why it was so slippery. <laughs> yeah, they, they just had like they rigged it up Crisco on me, brother. They rigged it up on me. Like, I can't follow them anymore. And uh, yeah, it would have been great. But well, what would you do? Just get up and say like whatever. I, I got up and played it off like it never happened. Yeah. And uh, with something like that, you kind of have to. That or you get up and be like, "Ha I meant to do it," you know, and you yeah. laugh yourself. Right. Um, but. Had a good, really good match with a friend of mine. He took care of me, didn't hurt me. Um, I worked for Dale for about a year as Jumping Joe Hopkins, and I hated it. Hated it. I didn't want people to know my real name. I didn't want people, you know, to, to be able to find me. I was. I'm one of those that I like to kind of stay off You're the grid. Same, same. Yeah. So, but like, so the so the jump. So you had this for a year. You said right. About a year. So did you, this this Jumping Joe Hopkins Hopkins as a character? Did it? evolve it like did you like now we're green or like did you do something like i have fucking zombie powers like anything that no. you added to the mythos or you're just like i'm fucking whatever yeah i i didn't add anything to it um which was I, actually, I, I hated good because it. if i was if you're like now i wear green that'd be kind of stupid. yeah i <laughs> hated it um i really did i hated that gimmick because i'm i'm weird yeah, dude. I'm one of those. I'm one of those people. Like, people tell me all the time, I've got split personalities. I don't have split personalities. Joe is one person. Gator is a completely different person. So, I mean, I have two different personalities, but I turn them off and on with a light switch, like I want. If I want somebody to meet Joe, they meet Joe. If I want somebody to meet Gator, they meet Gator. Um, so after about a year, I was engaged at the time. Very young. She was much older. <laughs> And uh, I uh, I told her, I said, I really have to come up with a gimmick. I need something. So I got on the phone and I called Dutch Mantel. Mm -hmm. And I said, Dutch, I'm trying to come up with a gimmick. Give me some advice. And he said, well, once you figure out the name, he said, you take the name and you base it kind of like the territory that you want to be from. He said, then you get an atlas or a map of that particular state. And you look and you find something that just sounds completely made up. And I said, is that how you came up with Oil Trough, Texas? Because that's where Dutch Mantel is from, is Oil Trough, Texas. And he said, exactly. So me and... That's a real place? He says it is. I haven't found it on a map, but... <laughs> I just I have a quick question. So you started at 15. What did your parents think? I left home at 15. Okay. Um... Okay. My mom was with my stepfather who abused me like okay. really, really bad. And so I ran away okay. um, and ended up in a 
juvenile detention center in Nashville. And they notified the mom and the stepdad and they came and got me. And I told them straight up then that I was going to do it again. And my first wife actually helped me find my real dad who I hadn't seen in like 16 years almost. Mm -hmm. Um, and found him. My mom found out about it because she had been telling me for years he was dead. Found out, said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to live with my dad. She said, okay, I'll sign the papers, you know? So she signed papers over and the rest was history. Okay. Um, but me and her are sitting at the house one day and I'm I'm racking my brain, you know, and Dutch is cutting up. Oh yeah. You can be the blue Buffalo. We'll put a mask on you. And I'm like, no, I can't do this. And, uh, so the old Burt Reynolds movie, white lightning came on. Yes. Classic. Right. Classic, great movie. Shine, he is a Louisiana right. swamp raised. Wait, moonshine. no, he has the fan boat. That's the fan boat yes. thing, right? Yes. Yes. And his name is Gator. His name was Gator and McCluskey. That's right. Oh, fuck yes. I know his exactly His name what you're was Gator about. McCluskey. And my ex wife looked at me and said, How about Gator? And I went, Wow. Because I love New Orleans. I love the swamps. I think they're beautiful. I and I said, Reynolds, Gator yeah. would work. I said, but I can't be Gator McCluskey. And she said, yeah, because everybody will associate it with the movie. Right. So we racked our brains and racked our brains. The movie White Lightning goes off and the movie Ode to Billy Joe comes on. The old Bobby Gentry song. Right. His name is Billy Joe McAllister. And she goes, I've got it. And I said, what? She said, McAllister. And I'm like, Gator McAllister. So I had a New Orleans phone book and I grabbed it and I start flipping through it yeah. get to the M's. And there was like 20 pages of McAllister's, but it was spelled M-C-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. So it was like Mick Collister, you know? And I was like, okay, drop a C, drop an L, McAllister. Yeah. And it rang. So at the time my head was shaved. I started letting the hair grow out. Um, and started working out really hard. Went and bought a live alligator. I mean, okay, it's okay, like stop. Method, but it's not. You yeah. bought. You went and bought a live alligator. I bought because a, that is not awesome. When when um, whenever okay. I got him, he was like six inches long. How big did he get? That's how they all start. He was he was about <laughs> when when he passed away, he was five foot long. Damn. Um, I had him in a two hundred gallon aquarium. So what was his name? Big Al. Al, That's awesome. Al E. Gator. <laughs> That's and did awesome. you bring him to the ring? This was like your your. That thing. was my gimmick. I brought him to the ring. I had a burlap bag and I had like painted gator sack on it and it looked like it had oh, blood on it pretty cool um and when he was really small that's how i'd bring him to the ring once he got bigger i put him on an iguana leash and i would take black electric tape around his mouth because yeah. they don't have opening power really yeah um i put the black electric tape on his mouth put him on an iguana leash i would carry him to the ring and a lot of people thought he was fake i could set him down in the middle of the ring and stomp and he'd take off running and it was great because when he would run toward a side of the ring, the front row would, would be like, ah, yeah. they would oh, jump and cool. run. You yeah. Know? So um, that was the birth of Gator McAllister and it, it really blew up. It, yeah. it was great. Like I went from wrestling twice a month to wrestling six nights a week. Damn. All with the gimmick. That's awesome. And were you... And we we talked a little bit about this earlier. Were you a good guy or were you a heel at this point? 
What were we doing? I was... Had you at, turned heel? I, whenever Jumpin' Joe Hopkins was around, he was a baby face. Yeah. When Gator was born, Gator was a straight heel. Yeah. And I mean a vicious, violent heel. Um, I like, didn't, like what? Like, give me some examples. What'd you do? Uh, watch you Bruiser. Just, like, bang everybody's wife or something like, watch, ah, <laughs> with your alligator. Watch Bruiser Brody footage from Japan. Okay. And that's what you'll get from early Gator McAllister. People, okay. people compared me to Bruiser Brody. Um, people said that I was like a young Brody. I scared people. I'd come out and just throw chairs and everything else. Okay, um, cool. Several fights, several fights. Got stabbed one night. In the okay, you can't gloss over things like that. <laughs> got stabbed one night. We had some popcorn and ham. Um, you got stabbed by a fan. By a fan. What? With what? A knife? Pocket knife. What? Luckily, it was an old timer. Because they were just like, I hate you, you mother, you. Ah, and they just came at you with a knife. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been chased in my car, being shot at. I've had bullets whiz past my head. Whoa. Hmm. People in Tennessee <clears throat> took wrestling very, very serious. And because they don't recognize it, that it's a persona and you're it's, not really right, right. that persona. See, you, what you have to remember is back then it was still professional wrestling. It wasn't sports entertainment. Right. That's what killed wrestling, in my opinion, was Vince McMahon saying, oh, this is not a sport, it's entertainment. Well, no, it's a sport. It's a to me, it was. It, yeah, no, absolutely. Um yeah, I'm just trying to think. It's like, also I, an art. I also feel like wrestling is an art, though. Yeah. It, okay. So it's like an art form. Like we'll we'll yeah. get we'll get the elephant out of the room because this is the one thing every professional wrestler in the world is is asked: Is it fake? I don't think everyone it's fake. everyone no. has misconceptions. Okay, and, and the easiest way to explain it is nothing I ever did in the ring was fake. When I fell, I fell. If I hit you with a chair, I hit you with a chair. Mm. If I threw a punch or kicked you, I hit you or I kicked you. Do you now, pull the punches a little bit? I control no? how hard oh, yeah, yeah. I do it, but I said. make contact. Therefore, it is not fake, you know. Yeah, no, uh, I don't, yeah. It's, it's a controlled environment is right. what it is. Um, now, I have had several instances in the ring where things were not controlled. Um, oh, like it just gets out of hand. Like yeah, yeah. You, when you when you've got like tempers flare. Yeah, you got legitimate heat with another wrestler. Uh, back then, there was only a couple ways you handled it. You either in went the behind the building and the two of you squared off. Mm -hmm. You did it in the dressing room where all the boys could watch you, or you did it in the ring where all the fans could see you. And uh, nobody ever wanted to go out back of the building with me, so <laughs> it always got handled in the ring or in the dressing room. And I would be the one like in the in the shower. I'd be like, "Yeah, come on, let's do it." So they'd be like, oh. um, "Okay." So like, <clears throat> I learned this like when I was uh, so as a kid, I I had this issue with like perception of things right. because perception be, does become reality, especially like a lot of times. But like we were, we ref, we were talking about glow earlier. When I was a kid watching that, I thought that was real. Yeah. I thought those were real. Like the uh, one chick that was like. Um, what was she like the exorcist one with the axe and right, shepherd right, in her right. name i thought she was like possessed and i'd right. be like that like stupid mount kid. fuji and yeah all mount those. fuji all that and, I, and then like yeah and i also clearly thought hollywood and vine were gonna come fuck me i guess but it, it like your mind is like that and i learned like when i i took this film appreciation class in in college and the 
professor talked uh we watched the movie soap dish mm-hmm. which is you know about soap operas or soap opera actors and i didn't realize that people follow like and just soap operas is just one of those things where they truly think that these characters are real like they get to this point where they're like they think they're really watching these people's lives right so like at the station like the network or whatever they would get like the characters would get married they'd be flooded with like Gifts for the wedding, people like that. It's a birthday, a bunch of cards for so and so. These are, these are. They're for fake characters, but it's like but, a thing where you do kind of get attached. The, you, you get to attached, yeah. It's, right, it's, it's right. a psycho- yeah. psychological thing. And they they lose track of reality, is what mm-hmm. it is. And that's why I'm saying, like, that's why you're getting stabbed and shot at because right. they think you're really that right. bad, I, this I, bad I, type of whatever. Like, they they got to protect Babyface Johnson now, also. <laughs> I, I used to wrestle in Southern Illinois for a really good friend of mine named the California Kid. Um, the guy, great, great physique, great look. He looked just like a young Billy Gunn from the New Age Outlaws, DX, whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, but he was the big hometown baby face. And I jumped him one night. We did this whole angle where his wife at the time left him for me and all of this stuff. Nice. I received death threats. People I wanted bet. me dead. They they thought that his wife really left him, and that he was so brokenhearted over it. And, and so, I mean, I was getting death threats. That's one of the nights people shot at me. Damn, see, God. that's so crazy. Like, that's just interesting. I mean, that's how that's how intense people get. Like, yes, yeah. like this this kind of thing can get. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with music. I mean, that's what happened with Dimebag. It, it really I is. mean that well, yeah. That guy was, yeah. I mean, really? I would say it probably happens less in music, just because you're not necessarily. It's not it, you're. Dimebag doesn't like take off his hair and like, right, put right, his thing right, on me right. like now he's like whatever. Exactly. He's still Dimebag, but, I mean, but, but people, that guy got caught up in his head about like some whatever story he thought was happening. Yeah, and, yeah, and the and, Pantera breaking up and all of this. Yeah, and he Phil Anselmo told me to come like fucking yeah, shoot this exactly. guy. Exactly. Right. So I mean, it's that whole misconception of reality that certain people get into. And I've heard people say it's so successful. It does make it extremely successful because the more you believe it, the more you're willing to see it, the more you're willing to spend on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, you know yourself, you're a great author and somebody buys one of your books, they read it. They immediately want another one. Oh, I've got to see what John Wayne writes about next, you know, boning snoring. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, boning. Um, but it's like, 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 like the character, like they want to see like, oh shit, is he going to bring out a bigger gator this time? Or right, like right, whatever. Right. Yeah. Or he threw two chairs. No, I just kept the, the one gator until he passed away. I had him. Did you eat him? About seven yeah. years. In the rig. <laughs> Everybody's like, did you eat him or did you make a <laughs> pair of boots out of him? I buried him. Yeah. Um, it broke my heart. I honestly thought when he died, it was the end of Gator McAllister gimmick. Um, um because I was so entwined into that, and he was such he a, was a, part, a, a of part of that gimmick, um, that when he died, I was like, I don't know, what I, I don't know what I can do. I don't know if I can do this without him. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that a lot of people would come just for him, just to see like a live would alligator. Come just for Bony. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. So it was. It, I actually, when he died, I took about two months off, and a promoter called me. And was like, hey, can you come to the show? I'm like, well, I don't have the gator anymore. He's like, well, I wasn't booking the gator. I was booking you, you know? And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'll show up. And I just kept going, man. It was great. Yeah. 
Um, and so that, like, that's, it, like, so Gator McAllister has been, like, that's been the thing since then. Yep. And how has that changed? Like, you know, like you said, like, so you don't have the Gator anymore. What did, what did you do? Did you do anything different? I, like, I really didn't. Um, like, I evolved with the wrestling business as mm-hmm. far as my style went. Um, when I first became Gator, I was one of the, like, the wrestlers, like, kind of like a, a Shawn Michaels or one of those kind of people. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of wrestling moves, a lot of high spots, things like that. As the wrestling of his business evolved, so did Gator. I stopped doing all the high flying crap. That wasn't me. That was, I wasn't comfortable like doing Like jumping it. off the turnbuckle. Right, right. Like I would do like top rope leg drops. I love doing those. But I quit doing like top rope drop kicks and, and regular drop kicks. Yeah. And I started doing more of the, I'm just going to kick your ass shit kicker type stone cold steve austin type thing right right um i would get in there and it was everybody called me a brawler which was what bruiser brody was and i watched a lot of brody tapes Uh and and kind of took on his style yeah yeah um i was slow and methodical like the undertaker i never moved really fast um and Dutch is the one that told me to do that. He said, why don't you watch four or five guys that you really like and just blend them together? So that's what I started doing. And I became known as this pretty badass, you know, shit kicker. Yeah. And uh, I ran with it until I retired. Did you, did you ever have like a tag team partner? I've had a few, I've had a few. um, And you, you stay as like, as the as Gator still when you have yes. the tag team yes what, what what was that about like how does that work so one of my tag partners his name was Motley Cruz C R U Z okay we were called Cruising for Pain I like that um, wordplay we were <clears throat> very very evil like we were heels but like he was really evil oh like truly evil like yeah yeah Fair enough. Um, great guy, phenomenal talent, phenomenal talent. Older, he was a little older than me. Um, and people compared us to the road warriors. They were like, these guys are the new age road warriors. Puerto Rico called us wanting us to come there. The country. Yeah. Well, the, the, the promotion, um, Carlos Colon's promotion in Puerto Rico called us and said, Hey, we want you guys to come over, but you got to have a passport. I had one. Motley didn't, he wasn't about to get a passport. Yeah. Um, he was a family guy. He had kids, young kids at home and stuff. I didn't. Um, and that was pretty cool, but he was, he had been in the business about 10 years longer than me at that time. So he had an established name and I had an established name. So we couldn't very well get together and say, okay, well now you're going to be Pepe Le Pew and then you're going to be Bugs Bunny. Right. You know? Yeah. That's like, so yeah, that's once you're established, you don't want to change that up unless yeah. Vince McMahon's going to give me a million dollars a year. Right. Um, minimum. 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 Um, so we came together as Motley and Gator, known collectively as Cruising for Pain. Pain. Um, the next major partner that I had um, is a guy named Hammerjack, who is a Tennessee guy. Mm-hmm. Great talent. Stiff as a board. Anybody that knows the wrestling business knows what I'm talking about. Okay. When he hits you, he hits you. Oh, right on. Okay. <laughs> There's no pulling with him. There's no control um, there. Right. And we did the biker biker gimmick. Um, we were known as Mayhem. And cool. 
What did you guys come out to? What song did you come out to? With Mayhem, we come out to Suicide Messiah. Cool. With Cruising for Pain, we came out to Dope Show, Marilyn Manson. Nice. Nice. Okay. And then, so, how, when you have a, t- when you're a tag team, do you, are you just like, for that period of time, it's like, now you're just tag team, or do you still like, wrestle by yourselves? Yeah, Although, yeah, like, how, we do, we do a lot of, like, there's a lot of tag stuff, um, but we'll also break off and do some individual things as well. Um, like when me and Hammer were tagging, we were the NWA Southern Tag Team Champions. Nice. Um, and actually, I have to show you the pictures. Of course, your listeners can't see the picture, but... Um, they could paint it in their, their minds. I've got pictures of me and him with the actual belts that the Freebirds held, the Road Warriors held, nice. the Four Horsemen held. Whoa. They were the actual NWA belts. Mm. Um, so uh, that was like a really big honor for me. Um, but while we were doing that, like he had a shot at the NWA United States Championship. I had a shot at the NWA Southern Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. So it was almost like we were trying to be double belted, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It's good stuff. Can I ask you, like tag teams? Like I'm not saying like I don't want to ask like, do you practice your routines? Because I'm sure it's just very organic. But do you? And your tag team partner go like, hey, if you see me, you know, maybe whatever doing this, this is when we tag in or how does it work? Or you guys just kind of like just organically it's, like it's, feed off of each other? Right. We just feed off of each other. Um, you guys know each other's strengths. Right. 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 Um, like a lot of people, that's another misconception. Everybody's like, oh, well, it's scripted or well, we know that you got there early and you got in the ring and you worked out your match. And in 33 years, I never once seen a script for wrestling. Mm-hmm. I seen a production script that had what the commentators were going to say and a list of the matches. Yeah. Um, and I have never gotten the ring and pre-worked my match. Um, so you guys didn't go through like, first I'm going to do this or like and you'll do that and then something. I'll do this and then I'll punch no. you. Like, no, it was just no. like, no. Do, do you know who like, who's, is it, pre- to know is it predetermined? Win? Yeah. Is that <laughs> like, like, is it like that? Like, and you're working to that? Like, I, I'm just curious. Like, is so it... it depends. Honestly, I've, I've been on wrestling shows where they were like, just go out there and do what you do. Mm. Okay. And we will go out and do what we do. Most promotions are like, okay, mayhem, you're going to wrestle the carnival. Okay. What do you want? Uh, 10 minutes carnival over which means they're going to beat us, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of a thing. Uh, most promotions, that's the way it was. Okay. And it is what it is. As long as they paid me, I didn't care. You know, um, the blue meanie, Stevie Richards, Nova, a couple other guys from ECW, Al Snow, they were all known as the job squad. And that's what that whole thing was about. Pin me, pay me. I don't care. I'll count the lights. I'll count the lights in the ceiling. I'm gonna get paid the exact same whether I win or lose. Mm-hmm. I've got so a guarantee. Like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Most after you've been in the business long enough, you can get a guarantee out of a promoter. They'll right. call you up and be like, "Hey, I'll give you this much. Come in." No, you give me this much, and I want half up front. Nice. Okay, we'll send it to you. You know, so yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so those are pretty strong. But uh, god damn it, I was like on to something right here. Uh, what were you saying about? I had asked him about like if 
not like that they work out or oh if you had like a um signals or something like that that's right okay so like in like yeah because we you see movies or you talk about things like they're like all right we're gonna do this we're gonna do right. that was it ever just like yo y'all just fight and whoever gets tired first gets pinned and like i've actually done that's that. that yeah i've done that a couple times where the promoter would look at us and go let's find out who's the toughest oh you shit go out there and just do your shit Oh shit! I like that. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. Those matches didn't last very long. Um, oh, was it because you like you go out like full force? Almost, I had uh... one guy, legitimately in Paducah, Kentucky, wrestling on a show for Tony Falk. Yeah, um, who is a Memphis legend. Anybody in that area will know who Tony Falk is. Uh-huh. I got in the ring and cut a promo on the kid. I'm like, you know, you come out here acting like you're a vampire and you're some kind of satanic guy. And guess what? I'm not scared of you for that reason. I said, but I will tell you this. Pain is weakness leaving the body. And I'm fixing to show you just how weak you are. The cream rises. (laughs) He gives me this look like he's going to fuck me up. Yeah. We, they ring the bell. We go in, we locked up. I backed him in the corner and hooked his arms around the top rope. And I reared back and I chopped him dead in his chest as hard as I could. He pissed himself, got out of the ring, went straight to the dressing room, grabbed his bag and went out the door to his car and left. One hit. And it was an open hand chop to the chest. It wasn't even, it was just like slapping somebody. Did but he that's quit? How hard, oh, yeah. He Did never he came back. back. Transylvania? Or he like, never came back, brother. That's weird. That's awesome. Like, you're like, fuck this. Um, I'll show you pain. But you cut, like, so those promos, like, you're just making those up as you go. Right, right a spur of the moment, like, just right just off the like top whatever, of my head. Yeah, yeah. like, and. Those are a huge part of like Absolutely. wrestling, I think. Absolutely. Like, and most of the time, guys, even if you watch like uh, WWF, WWE, mm-hmm. WCW, the guys that have managers and the manager's doing all the talking, that's because that guy doesn't have mic skills. Look at Brock Lesnar. Amazing sick. super beast of a right. fucking athlete. Uh-huh. No mic skills whatsoever. So He's, that's why you have the guy. That's why he had Paul Heyman. Paul yeah. Heyman was his mouthpiece. I didn't need a manager. No. Um, I mean, hell, you, you guys hear me here at the cons and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And um, so I'd just go out and whatever came to mind, I said, yeah. you know, sometimes it got me in trouble. <laughs> Did you like, uh, you can say whatever you wanted, right? Was it like on? Well, you, you had, to, like, say you, you had I mean, to kind of keep it at, at, a, at a lower tone. Like oh, okay. uh, you couldn't go out and be like, Hey, guess what, man? I fucked your mom last night huh? and tonight I'm going to fuck your sister. <laughs> and then I'm going to bash your dad's head in with a brick. You know, you couldn't do that. And except when I was in Louisville, Kentucky for IWA, well, then we would say that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. <clears throat> that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Because there's like, I mean, YouTube, there's like reels and reels of like just promo wrestling yeah, promos yeah. you can watch like good ones bad ones ones where they do slip up and like right. say the n-word and shit like, right, <laughs> like right. fucking crazy ass booker shit. t <laughs> booker yes t. that one yeah booker t you know, that that about about. Hogan. <laughs> yep yes exactly yeah triana and i shout out triana we watched a, a bunch of promo uh wrestling things because he and i like did one like for our show we were like he does an excellent uh, macho man and he came out as himself. The funny thing about the Booker T promo, I was in WCW at that building that night that promo was done. You were there? I was there. Uh, and he was no. so tore up thinking he was going to get fired. 
you could see it in his face. Like, like people the out there, like up. people out there listening, watch watch this promo. Booker T is there like a tiny tag word? Like a, I think it's just a Booker T Hulk Hogan promo. Yeah, and uh, he's like going off. He's doing his thing, and uh, Booker T is a black dude. But he like says like ah blah, 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 and he's like says that about Hulk Hogan. He's, he's you hear him say it, and as it as it's leaving his mouth, you he's, can watch him go like like you can see his face, and he's like oh like what and like uh all right well good stuff for Booker to like they try to like <laughs> yeah yeah you can see you know, his brother bust out laughing oh, Stevie say, Ray <laughs> busted out laughing that's you know hey they're Houston guys are they Booker T and Stevie Ray are from Houston Texas oh shit absolutely I think Booker T owns a gym here somewhere huh damn see if Nick were here he would probably know that hold on I'm actually on Wikipedia right now with Booker T Scarlett (laughs) is uh, fact checking us no fact check I'm just very curious in what in this video did (laughs) was there any like so going through like wrestling career were there any like um, opponents where you were like I really want to fight this person or like I want to be on a card with this wrestler and it happened. I mean, like any so, of those things. Like I've, I, there was always those dream matches for me. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up on Memphis wrestling, my dream match was always Jerry Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler was mm-hmm. the pinnacle of, for me. Yeah, and Ric Flair. Woo! The Nature Boy. Um, I was never a Hulkamaniac. I hated Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, I was more of a heel fan. I liked the heels. The Rowdy band. Roddy Piper, cool Cowboy he Bob was Orton. Awesome. Yeah. Um, those guys. Um, and I've been, the first show I was on with Jerry Lawler, I actually wrestled his son, who was Brian oh, Christopher. Cool. Um, and that was a great match. And Lawler was like, man, that was a good match. I'll have to work with you sometime. And I was just in heaven. Oh, awesome. Um, and then a friend of mine got me in with WCW. He was like, hey, I've got this deal for you. I'm going to send you to Atlanta. I'm like, what's in Atlanta? He's like, WCW. And I was like, holy shit, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, And I went to WCW. First night there, I'm parked in Ric Flair's parking spot and didn't realize it. Car pulls up behind me and hear a little honk. Wait, does this horn just go, woo? (laughs) (laughs) He was actually in a, uh, like a caddy, a nice caddy. Yeah. And, um, he honks and he opens his door and leans out and he goes, Hey brother, you're in my parking spot. You mind moving over one? I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, sorry. (laughs) And, um, so I wrestled that night in WCW. It was a Saturday night's main event. I wrestled Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Fuck Um, dude. Then they, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. They got a bunch of us at the time we were known as talent enhancement or a jobber. That was what we were there to do, was make the, the, the named guys look, look good. good. Gotcha. Um, so they, they gathered up several of us, and it was Harley Race and Big Van Vader mm-hmm. standing in the doorway and said, okay, you guys are going to do a run-in on Vader. Who's first? Now, anybody that's watched wrestling knows who Big Van Vader is. Um, Leon White was his real name. He played for the Denver Bronc or yeah, Denver Broncos, I believe. Uh, Massive man, big guy, six five, four hundred pounds, solid as a brick. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking, and all the guys are like shaking, and I went, "I will." And you everybody, no yeah, everybody in the room, like all the other wrestlers that were walking, just stopped and turned and looked, and I went, "Oh, I done fucked up," you know. 
And uh, Yeah, he goes, yeah, him, him. Harley looks at Vader. Vader looks at me and he goes, you got guts, kid. He said, my back will be to you. He said, come in, hit me as hard as you can in the back. Oh, we're looking at a picture of him right now. Scarlet is uh, Yeah, that's him. That's him. Big, big guy. Very and, uh, big guy. He said, hit me as hard as you can in the back. He said, I'll turn around. I'll give you one forearm to the chest. You go out of the ring. I said, done. So when it was time, I run in. He's beating up on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And they're like, that Gator McAllister's right Oh my God, he's got a chair. Like, it's one of those things. No, no, no. It wasn't all that because they were just like, oh, we need help. And they're doing the bell ringing. Thing, oh, you gotcha. Know? So okay, cool, cool. I go in and I hit him as hard as I possibly could. Like, hard enough it hurt my forearm. <laughs> and uh, he spins around and he hits me in the chest. And I go flying and and because uh, I jumped when he hit me. I get tangled up in the ropes. Yeah. I can't get out because I'm tangled up in the ropes. And he, no, I'm looking at him and I see him go, like, toss his hands like shit, you know. And he comes over and he gives me a punt right in the ribs. I go out. Yeah. Broke two ribs. Oh, fuck. Um, From the fall or the punt? The punt. Yeah. <laughs> but the other guys that ran in, one of them ended up with a broken nose. One of them got a tooth knocked out. He knocked one of them out cold. Uh, like, he beat those guys up. And we get back to the dressing room area. Harley Race comes back and he comes straight up to me. He shakes my hand. He says, are you okay, kid? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great, Harley. Thank you. <laughs> Vader comes through the door. He grabs me and he gives me a big hug. He says, that was beautiful. He said, I hated to have to kick you, but you were tangled up. I said, no, it worked great. I'm great. I'm perfect. I'm fine. The whole time I'm crying You're inside. Like, oh, yeah, because yeah, I was going to say, you get a hug hurt. and you got like two right. broken ribs. Right. And, um. So that was the end of that night, and I go back out to the car, and I, I tell a friend of mine that went with me and the ex-wife, I'm like, hang on, I have to go back in the building. So I go back in, and I find Ric Flair. And I walk up to him, and I said, excuse me, Mr. Flair. I said, I just want you to know that it has been a complete honor just being in the same building with you in the same dressing room. Mm-hmm. And uh, he looked at me, and of course, Flair's a little shorter than I am. Yeah. And he reached up and he grabbed me kind of in a headlock, pulled me in. He goes, thanks a lot, kid. Call me Rick. And I was, that was it. I was hooked. I was floating. And Flair is actually the one that got me on a run. Bonnie's taking care of you, dude. Yeah, like he, somebody walked by, fuck you. Yeah, Bonnie will fuck him up. But um, <laughs> I had actually left Atlanta that night and headed back home to uh-huh. Kentucky. And I made it to Nashville and one of their booking agents called me and said, Hey, where are you at? I said, I'm in Nashville. They said, well, turn around and go back to Macon. I said, why? They said, Flair wants you on the loop. I was like, Flair wants me on the loop. Are you serious? He said, yeah, absolutely. So I went back and that was the kickoff. I spent over a year in WCW doing a run with them. That's amazing. So you have like, it been on like like nationally televised oh, like yeah. matches like all that shit. Yep, yep. Did you did you wrestle like overseas? Like they ship you like we're shipping the Gator Man to Japan. I have in a cannon, and they like shoot you across. I've the wrestled in Mexico. I have yeah. wrestled in Puerto Rico. Yeah, uh, Puerto Rico was scary. I won't lie, Puerto Rico was scary. Really? Was it the yeah. fans or was it? It was the just, fans. Just the whole, it was the fans. Oh, the really? fans. Okay. Um, well, the fans and the stories of Bruiser Brody. Uh, who, who you mentioned earlier was yeah bruiser brody was killed in puerto rico by another wrestler while in the shower oh uh, shit okay I know stabbed that. to death 
Um, oh fuck, dude! Talk about taking that shit to the like. Because... Leave it in the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the guy got off. It was he was a Puerto Rican wrestler, and he gets off because he claimed self defense. But you know, they wouldn't let any other wrestlers testify, from what I understand, and all that. I don't uh, know. The, I don't know the complete very... complete story. Allegedly, whatever. Right. Everybody, um, yeah. Anybody wants to know about it? Look up Dark Side of the Ring. The Bruiser that, Brody that series story. is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was. I think I was talking to you. Was I talking to you? No, I was talking to somebody else about this earlier. Like when I was, uh, I left Chicago. Oh, no, I left. It, Nashville full moon last year remember I was there right. like we yeah and uh I left there and I like Nick P couldn't come with me it's like by myself in this like extended stay like a down like in some ghetto there was like come sprayed across my TV oh wow like there was nothing like, like I looked at it, I was like there's this could be nothing else but this is just a come spray across this TV <laughs> Oh, it's not like someone was flinging a lit candle around in there, okay? It wasn't the fucking Ritz. Are you and, sure that you didn't leave that? I'm positive. I know exactly where I'm flinging my cum in the hotel. So it's across the TV. I'm by myself. I'm all feeling like, man, this fucking... I'm like, well, whatever. But I discovered that show. Like, yeah. like it was happened to be on, and I wa- like I watched all like hours of it. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's a great, very interesting great show. Um, tells a lot about... Things you don't normally see or hear about yeah. with the professional wrestling business. Well, yeah, and not and, all the background that you wouldn't yeah. know. The corruption, how deep it goes in, like, family stuff. With right. the Von Eric, like, the Von Erics, right? Like, we were yep. talking about, yep. yeah, like, that whole thing. And that, I also saw that, that's when, like, I saw the, they were wrestling in this, the football stadium in Dallas. Yeah, they did the big I, stadium, and it was a match between Kerry Von Eric and, and, and Rick Flair. yes. For the mm-hmm. NWA world title. And it, like, it's a... You, I mean, the scope of these kind of things is like it's it's a it's a wrestling ring in the middle of the football field, mm-hmm. and the stadium is sold out with people, yeah, yeah. filled with people. Like that's the scope of this. As I was like, this is like a huge thing that people right. are passionate about, like any other kind of art, like it's your music, art. like movies, like like football, like whatever. Yeah. But like, man, it's at least in a football game or a baseball game, you go to the stadium, it's like things are proportionate. You're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to say that. But like, you really have to fucking oh, be yeah. dedicated. So you're up there. Like, these are the times also when like your grandpa was like, take the binoculars when you're going to go see the pirates because you have to shit in the fucking outfield. <laughs> like all those motherfuckers up there like, yeah, yeah, just exactly. looking, exactly. looking. There's no jumbo, Sean, then. Right, And, right. and like this, like this shit is huge like yeah that but that show was really cool yeah. and even through like a cum spray mist on the tv i i could see it was, it was... a candle a candle got flung around like that's yeah that was what it was i also got like <laughs> I, I got hammered one night i was there like four days by myself gator and i got like see, ha- you should have i got out. hammered one night um i didn't know what's fucking going on. i was like just like, i got hammered one night and i like it was this extended stay and i took a butter knife out of the fucking thing and I was trying to like scrape this cum off the TV <laughs> and I just scratched up the whole screen and shit. Oh, it was a uh, bony. It's okay. We're okay. We're okay. It's okay. It's all bony. good. But, um, Bony's on attack mode. Bony just knows what the fuck is up. Dude. Uh, so, uh, when you retire, when you retired, was it anything like, this happened like was it an injury was it a decision were they like 
and now your story's over because we're gonna make or you like you a real like, like I go out like day. this. I it was my choice. Um, Here's an even better. I'm sorry before you go any further. I'm sorry to cut you off because this is something I can speak to. Did you know when you wrestled your last like your match that it was your last match? Yes. Or it was okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I I'd said for years when it stopped being fun for me mm-hmm. that it was time for me to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had numerous numerous injuries my back's been broken twice mm-hmm. my neck's been broke mm-hmm. um, i have 23 concussions on file not counting the concussions i haven't had on okay. file uh, both ankles broken both wrists broken reconstructive surgery on my leg um, i've been shot i've been stabbed i had i hit a tree at 75 mile an hour on harley davidson was told i'd never walk again of course haha, jokes on them I'm full of metal. I'm full of metal. I think you got taller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you got it a little shorter. I think I lost about an inch. But um, it was, it stopped being fun. It was becoming more like a job. And um, I hate working, you know. <laughs> I don't care. But um, I had discussed it. I would tossed it around for about a year. Mm-hmm. And there's a promoter uh, named Johnny Richards run uh, New Focus Wrestling in Evansville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And um, he was kind of the only person I was working for at that time. And I called Johnny up and I said, hey, Johnny, um, I think I'm, I'm going to hang him up, man. And he goes, okay. He said, when do you want to do it? And we'd actually come up with a date. Um, it was supposed to be in October. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, what do you want to do? He said, anything you want to do, he said, I'll make it happen for you. And I said, uh, let me do it with you. He's like, really? And I said, yeah, because I brought him into the business. I was his very first program like 15 years ago. Nice. So me and him had a long running feud when he first got into the business. And um, so I thought, you know, hey, I brought you in. I'll let you take me out. And so we were going to do this. Big my dad angle. said something like that to me all the time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my mom used to tell me that all the time. Take you out. And, um, but me and him, we come up with this deal where we were going to have this loser has to quit wrestling type match. And everybody assumed that it would be me beating him. Well, something happened in October and we couldn't do it. I can't oh. remember what came up. Okay. So, um, he hit me up and he said, look, I'm running a show New Year's Eve. Oh, I'm like, yeah. okay, that's when we'll do it then. And we built. So what? that's what we done. We just built it for like the next few months. He did a Halloween show and I showed up under a mask. Like I was Y'all like, just talking like shit and cosplay. promos to each well, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were cutting promos on each other online oh, yeah. and all this. And I showed up to his Halloween show. And he was doing the Halloween costume contest for everybody. And I show up and I've got a mask on. I'm holding a sign that says JBG is a wrestling god. Because that's Oh, and then he oh my and God, he, I fucking love so, this. So already. he's like, This oh. is the winner of the Halloween costume contest. And, and he you. brings me in the ring. And he, I'm like, Would you sign this? I'm jumping up and down and I'm completely covered. You can't see any of my ink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um so he's like, gets a marker and he starts to sign the poster and he hands it to me. And I turn around, turn back around, and I just blast him. And then I give him a big power bomb and I'm stomping the shit out of him. And I, oh my God, 
didn't take off the mask. I pulled like, the mask uh, off and the place exploded. Oh, God, that's awesome. Yeah, everybody just blew up. That's and, so Because they hated rad. him. Yeah. And um, at, before that, they hated me. So that turned me baby face. So I was going out as a baby you, face. You go in like you come out. You yeah. Know? And we did oh, the wait. deal. Or, it wait. was... That was wrong. You come in like, hey, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Okay, so we, that. So we ended up doing a deal. But that was just a build-up. That was it. a build-up for it. And each wow. each show, there was a different type of build-up. Yeah. Of course, some of them I wasn't at. Mm. But then the New Year's Eve show came around, and um, we had set it up. It was going to be him and his wife, who is a, a female wrestler. And mm. she's she's a really good wrestler um, against me in a handicap match. And it was going to be a no-rules so we're out there beating the shit out of each other with like pie pans and cookie sheets and two by fours. This is the match. This, this is, is the, the match. Year's we're match. just we just okay. it was a fight. It wasn't even really a wrestling match. There were a few wrestling moves. I put him through a table, the whole nine yards. And then this... they start emptying the dressing room out. He's bringing out all the heels one oh, at a time. No, and you so, get to take them I'm, all out. I'm, I'm taking them all out. You're the Vader now. Yes, yes. I'm taking out everybody and um. Then something happened. It was just a really quick, may have been like a nut shot or something like that. I dropped a real quick one, two, three. That's it. Johnny has beaten Gator. And uh, I laid there for a minute, you know, kind of soaking it in. And it was surreal for me. It really was. I bet. Um, I mean, how I'm getting goosebumps. Because it's just the last time you get to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And... uh, so I got up and I asked for the microphone and everybody's chanting, thank you, Gator, and all this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Thank you. You know, thank you guys. Because without the fans, there never would have been a Gator McAllister. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and I strongly believe that in my heart. And yeah. um, like what I didn't know was going to happen is all of the wrestlers that were in the dressing room, the heels, the baby faces, all of them emptied out and surrounded the ring. No. And just standing ovation for me. And I started crying right in the middle yeah, of the um, you know, um, because I, I didn't know they were going to do that. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys that were there were very close friends of mine mm-hmm. um, who I've known since they got in the wrestling business. And I just cut a shoot promo and it, it's online. I need to find it and, and send it to you. My shoot. My I'll link it to the promo. episode. Yeah. Um, like, yeah and it we'll was, it episode. was basically, you know, Hey, I grew up, 40 miles down the road, um, just a little short, fat kid, dumpy, you know, and you guys made my dream come true. I've, I've wrestled all over the world. Yeah. I've wrestled in every state except for one. The only state I never wrestled in was North Carolina. Um, not North Carolina, North Dakota, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, and, um, I've, I've, you know, it was just, they, it really was. The fans made my dream come true. Right. You know. No, absolutely. And, um. I called out a couple of the wrestlers that I was good friends with and they climbed in the ring and hugged me and all of that stuff. So, um, I was like, okay guys, I'm going to go back to the dressing room now and cry like a baby. Thank you. Gators left the building, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. And, um, I haven't watched wrestling since then. Really? Um, gave away a lot of my wrestling stuff that I had. I've still got my boots. I haven't gotten rid of my wrestling boots yet. Oh, yeah. um, Never. I don't know if I ever will, um, but I've got several promoters right now that are begging me to make a comeback. You know, Roxo, my good friend that comes with me Shouts to the out, cons, Roxo. 
Um, Roxo keeps tagging me on Facebook. One more match, one more match, one more match. And um, he's got a promoter that he wrestles for, and he, they're, they're on me hot and heavy. Please, just one more match, one more match. And I've tossed it around, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, hell, I'm 50 years old. I hurt. I've got a good job driving a truck all over the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I was to go do one more match, broke something major, then I'm out. That's it. I'm done. I can't drive a truck. I can't do this, you know. And I'm a fat kid. I like to eat. So, <laughs> and I like going to cons and seeing my brother from another mother. That's absolutely right, dude. Um, do you think you could pull like an over the top situation where you rig your truck up? Like Stallone did, with like, you have the weights in there, and you're like, I actually them have. And shit. I've got workout bands that attach to the driver's seat that you use and while you're driving down the road. I love uh, Over the Top. I guess it's a famously like bad movie that people hate. Nick P's like, oh, I love it. Terry, Terry Funk is in that movie. Awesome as shit. People, if you don't know, I, I've talked about the movie on the podcast before. If you don't know, it's an arm wrestler. Stallone is a professional arm wrestler who's also a truck driver who just wants to get his fucking kid back or something. And he like, the arm wrestling matches are insane. They're like in these bars where it'd be like, if you lose, a scorpion stings you. Or yeah. like, you like you have to drink gasoline. The guy drinks like, motor oil. Motor oil. And he really did. Yeah. I, uh, Nick and I uh, listened to a podcast about that movie. And they're like, in that scene, he actually did. They wasn't supposed, like it, that. some of that's improv or whatever. But like, yeah, I just picture it. Whew. Like in the truck, now you start driving. Like they get the right. comeback shit song is going on and stuff. And, <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I, nerds, you're a nerd. <laughs> Your face is a nerd. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Better be nice to my brother over Thank there. Thank you. You be nice to him. Okay. You know, I, you know, I love you, Scarlett. I love you. Nerd. I that's see. So in all my years of like playing band and playing in the bands that I've played in. I've ne- it's never been a situation where like this is our last show everyone we're done after this right, right it's just always like oh now we don't now we are broke up or now we don't play anymore right and I always go back to those shows and I'm like that was our last show right. wow like would I have like how would it have affected me different if I knew and I don't know like that's why I'm like I'm kind of I kind of I think I'm probably better off for not right. knowing right. but. Right. At the same time, like your story, you know, I mean, you like, you know, everyone comes. I mean, that was like a great like way to go out. Like, yeah, if they yeah. were like, all right, John Wayne, tonight this is gonna be the last show. Yeah, you're gonna play your fucking last solo, and the note, your high note's gonna go out, and then eleven chicks are gonna come out and blow you in front of everybody. <laughs> there is like titties are gonna fall from the ceiling. <laughs> that is a amazing and, and last imagine, show. All right, I'll imagine see. how yeah. great that. And I'm like, all right, awesome. I'll go. and I'll be like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll. It like softens high. the blow. A, a little bit. It softens the blow. I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> well, no uh, yeah, I'm sure you're not. Sure you're not. Nothing soft about that blow, baby. Okay. Uh, but like, you know, that would be different, and not to like you didn't know that they were all going to come out and do like all right. of that, right? right. So like, right. but like, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, that's just i mean that's just awesome to me i just yeah it was that shit it was great and um you know i don't want to be like some of the other wrestlers that oh this is a retirement match we're done rick flair okay rick flair's retired four times (laughs) yeah you know um and it's great i'm glad that at 70 something years old rick flair can still go 
because Rick was one of my childhood heroes. But um, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm done. That's it. I'm retired. And then a year later, come back. Yeah, yeah, come back. Oh, well, I'm going to retire again and then come back. I get get that totally, completely. Absolutely. So it's, I'm torn on what to do. Do I do one more? Do I not do one more? My heart says, don't do it. My head says, do it, you know? And, um, so it's, it almost seems like it'd be the opposite. Like your head says, do it or don't do it. And your heart says, do it. I, people ask me all the time if I miss it. I was just about to ask you that. Yeah. Speaking and, of Scarlett, I was asking, do you Thank miss you for it? reading my brain. No, cause I was going to ask, I know you said like, okay, this is my, like you knew this was going to be your right. last uh, match. And I know you're here going like, I'm torn. Cause like, your friend is and your promoter friend are like one more, just one more. Right, right, right. Like, do you? I'm, I'm sure there's probably days where you might miss one or two things, but like in general, like, do you feel like? Are you saying like do you feel like you've accomplished the things you wanted? Like, is there anything like left the, on the table that you're like, I need to go back and do? Is that what you're trying to say? No, or, I just no? Okay. In I mean, there's, because, there's two things I wanted to do that I didn't. Okay. One was work for Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Two was work Japan. Those are the only two things I did not accomplish in my career. I've been in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated top 500 wrestlers in the world. I've been on national TV. I've been on pay per views. You know, uh, <laughs> I probably paid for some of those. Pay-per-views. Yeah, um, I don't miss the wrestling business. I miss the actual sport. the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I miss my brothers and sisters in the dressing room. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to explain that is I used to tell people all the time, the wrestling, the wrestler wrestling business is the closest thing to the mafia or a motorcycle club that you will ever come to. I might not like you and we might be in the same dressing room and I might sit there evil eye fucking you and might get up, come over and slap shit out of you. But ain't nobody else going to fuck with you because if they do, I'm going to beat your ass. You know, mm. if you mess with one wrestler, you're going to mess with all of them. On a wrestling show, if a fan jumps in the ring, watch the back empty out. Yeah, everyone's you know, just like yeah, gone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is. So I miss that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have friends, per se, in the wrestling business. I had tons of acquaintances. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of guys on the wrestling scene that were as tight as what me and you are. And some even tighter. Yeah. Um, probably one of my best friends in the entire wrestling business is a guy named Vic the Bruiser. And he's on, he's doing a retirement tour right now. He said, this is his final year. He's ready to hang him up because it's not fun for him anymore. Yeah. And Vic is amazing. You can look him up on, on YouTube. Uh, good guy. Yeah. Great, great guy. Great wrestler. I, I helped break him in the business. So, you know, guys that I've been around their entire careers. Um, California Kid, another phenomenal guy. Um, Roxo, Johnny Richards, you know, Chase Stevens. Is that him? That is Vic. Nice. He's coming to Scarefest. You'll actually get to meet him at Scarefest. Oh, he's at Scarefest? He's Yay! coming to Scarefest. Oh. I will make sure to bring him over to you. Please, Please do. Talk about metal music. He, yeah. That's all he listens to is like metal. He's the biggest Kiss fan you will ever meet in your life. He can Damn. tell you anything and everything about Kiss. I, uh, that's awesome. Um, so, 
we talked a lot about that and like we're definitely like we have to do like another episode too when i see you next um because we have so much to talk about with their life but you mentioned the wrestling business is mm-hmm. like being in the mafia or close to being in the mafia or a motorcycle club can you tell us some kind of dark dirty story about the back scenes of something that you don't mind sharing that uh that is kind of like that like we had to put we had to bury somebody like out in the thing <laughs> like like somebody came back and like paid you guys all to shut the fuck up or like lots of lots of sex <laughs> lots of drugs yeah it's like um, rock and roll it's like yeah, anything it, it yeah, really I mean. is it really is i mean i've walked in dressing rooms and seen guys with underage girls Oh, okay. Um, I've walked in dressing rooms and seen guys with a pound of cocaine laid out on a table telling everybody to come do lines. Yeah. Uh, Pills. I've watched guys shooting roids. Right um, there. Right there. They just didn't care. Um, One wrestler, I'm not going to mention his name. He was was known for riding with you. He had to sit up front when he rode with you anywhere. Be a, a car with four or five wrestlers. And he'd just whip his dick out and start stroking and spunk on your windshield. Oh, Wait, he's the what? one. He's yeah. the one that got Did it. Did he on the stay team. in my hotel and that? The he hotel might. He that. might have. He might okay. have. I, I'm sorry, but so, he so just... but I mean, that's the kind of things you would see, you know? Right. Um, okay. A lot of ribbon amongst the boys. Yeah. Uh, lots of practical jokes and pranks and stuff like that on guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the probably the. The sex and the drugs is probably the deepest, darkest things with the wrestling business because, like I said, I mean, guys who were 100% straight when they became wrestlers and would hit the road and after being on the road for a year, hey, that guy over there is looking pretty good all bent over. So, I mean, they'd end up being gay or bisexual or whatever. Um, right. It's that, like being in prison. Or, it is, Or just really. like fine or whatever. But, like, yeah, yeah that's uh, – but – any kind of deep conspiracies you can speak to or like uh anything like that or just like that's like you know or, or you don't have whatever whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> i'm um, trying to honestly think of any conspiracies I don't well really i mean we're talking about like um the dude that got uh no, the, the, got brody, in the shower the brody murder was a like, pretty big conspiracy pretty yeah. yeah um you hear there's a couple of different wrestlers that will give you a different story um and like one that I know of for sure who was there on the island in the dressing room and immediately left the island um, after everything happened. After that happened? Is that, um, yeah. And he's told me a couple of things, but he also told them to Dark Side of the Ring. Okay. So the very first episode of Dark Side is the Bruiser Brody episode because that was the biggest, deepest, darkest secret in the wrestling business. Right. Um, the second is probably the Owen Hart situation. That was fucking sad. Yes. I remember I was, watching that. I was watching it live when Where it he happened. died, like, in, in like... In the, that cage match. Those who don't know, like... A, no, no, no. Well, he was no, supposed he to... Fell for, like, Gator, Gator explained that, yeah, just yeah. so the people that don't know, please. Yeah, he that. was... Um, They were in Kemper Arena, I believe, in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I think, or I, Kansas City, Kansas. Uh-huh. They were... It was Kansas... Either Kansas, Missouri, or Kansas, Kansas. Um, but he was doing the blue blazer gimmick, the superhero type thing. And they had him hooked up to a harness in the top of the arena. And he was going to come down kind of like sting used to do in WCW on the, with the harness. And they were going to lower him to the ring. And when he stepped off the platform, 
they say that the rigging harness bracket failed and they fell uh, basically like 100 feet and, and hit the top turnbuckle and then the ring. Yeah. Snapped his neck, um, all of that. He was pretty well gone instantly. Right. Um, and they they rush him out and then later on in the pay-per-view they had to announce that he had passed away due to that and but they Wasn't they never missed a beat no she was actually sitting at home with the kids with the kids that's right um but they never missed a beat like they kept on going and and finished the pay-per-view and a lot of people really hammered down on them for that um there's a lot of uh skeptics who say that the higher ups in WWE rigged it so that it would kill him because they were mad that his brother had left the company to go to WCW. That's the conspiracy. That's one of the conspiracies. That's one of the conspiracies. Yeah. yeah. Because Brett, the hitman heart was Owen's brother, his older mm-hmm. brother. Brett was like their champion. They screwed him out of the belt with the whole Montreal screw job uh-huh. with Shawn Michaels. That's Brett what left. I'm thinking of the Montreal screw job because it was a right. Yeah, was right. Yeah. Brett left WWE, WWF, went to WCW. Uh-huh. So everybody says, oh, well, you know, the higher ups were mad that Brett left the company. So, so kill your brother. Take out Owen. Damn. You know. I mean, if that—that's mafia—that's the mafia, that's a mafia that shit, no, yes, right there. Yes, you're yes. Like, yeah. And you got to remember, the higher ups are from Greenwich, Connecticut. The owners of that company are from Greenwich, Connecticut. So that is like <laughs> as far like that's some like <clears throat> deep dark shit because yes, it's not like yes. you know what your brother left, so uh, you know we're they're gonna find you in your apartment of an overdose, quote unquote, right, or something right. like that. No, like you're alleging that these people murdered, like killed them in front of like thousands of people live on television. Exactly, exactly. Public execution. Literally. That's the, that's all, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's just the kind of things that you hear about in the wrestling business. Um, Chris Benoit. Oh, you know, yes. oh yeah, with this, he, he killed himself and his whole family, right? That's yeah. what's being said is oh. that he killed himself, his wife Nancy, and his son. Um, I have dove deep into that situation mm. personally because I knew Chris mm. and I knew Nancy. Mm. Um, I have my opinions, and and then there's the opinions of everyone else. Um, if you dive deep enough you find out that the time of death for Chris was at one point, but like six hours later, after his time of death, his phone is text messaging Chavo Guerrero. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they don't release about this. The way Nancy and their son were killed were supposedly they were smothered um, with pillows and all that. Then Chris supposedly hung himself with his gym equipment. Uh-huh. But I don't see how he could hold the weight, wrap the cord. Mm-hmm. You know, he because they said it had like 380 pounds set on the machine. Yeah. So that means he would have to hold 380 pounds with one hand. And wrap himself with the other Pull hand. slack into the cable uh-huh. with the other hand, wrap it around his head, and then, then release. Yeah. Come yeah. on. You know, I mean, anybody with common sense knows. 
But because there were steroids, because there was the the brain injuries from like the concussions, CTE is like the yes. story that they yes. say. They're right? automatically saying, "Oh, well, he was on roids and he had brain damage from the the concussions, so he killed." Him. I honestly, in my opinion, don't believe he did it. Interesting. I do not believe he did. I know how much his son meant to him. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, him and Nancy had issues, and <laughs> and and that was okay, but I don't feel that he yeah. done it. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'm one of those that's, I guess, a conspiracy theorist with it because, you know. That's just one of those weird inconclusive yeah, stories. Yeah, no one will ever know sure unless is. somebody else comes out and says, okay, yeah, I was there. I did it. You know. It was me. And that's not going to happen. No. Never. <clears throat> Absolutely not. Um, damn, Gator, I love the shit out of you, man. That's all I, I love I, you, I bro, say, for real. Um. There's like a whole other chapter uh, of your life that we want. I want to talk about. But, <laughs> the, like, Kicking I, indoors. I'm and... going to save that one. <laughs> I'm gonna, when's the next time I see you, Charlotte? No, Scarefest. Uh, Scarefest. That's the next one? Yeah, That'll it'll be, be October. In, in we're going to have another podcast that weekend. Okay. Roxo's going to be there. Roxo will be there. And we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff. But I really wanted to focus, like, especially once we started talking about wrestling, I really wanted to, like, dig deep into that. Like, right, that was right. super interesting to me. And I want people to know, like, that kind of stuff. And, like, like check out, like, look up fucking Gator, dude, if you don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. It I was, mean, uh, it's it's very, very interesting to me. I fucking love, I love it. I love this, I love the story. And uh, I would rather, like, we'll talk about the other stuff on another one. It's going to be a separate one. Um, but I really like, uh, you know, I think you're a badass motherfucker for real. And like, I appreciate you being my friend. No, um, I appreciate I th- you brother for real. I think, I think that like, yeah, we, we, we connected. Like these are the people that, like I said before that I meet on the road that keep right. me going, that keep me alive, that like help me like center myself sometimes. And, you know, so I appreciate that very much. Yeah. And thank you for being on the show and talking to um, everyone about, uh, about your your fucking awesome career, dude. Are you kidding uh, me? I mean, that's amazing. Nah, like, he wasn't all of that. But, you know. Come on, dude. Oh, I'm a professional wrestler for national TV, and not all that. Oh, now you sound like me. It's not as exciting as the life you live. Oh, whatever, dude. No, come on, for give real. me a come fucking on. You break, live in dude. Sin City. Yeah, but I'm not like getting. Like, I'm not getting body slammed every week, and like you know. I'm, yeah, that shit's overrated, brother. Let well, me tell you. <laughs> No, and hopefully, it's, you know, this wasn't boring to the fans. Uh, I know wrestling's not for everybody. It's, it but, was not boring at all. But, um, this is awesome. You know, I look forward to seeing you again, hanging Absolutely, out. Definitely, dude. for sure. Um, anybody wants to find me, I'm on all the social medias. Most of it's under Gator McAllister, M-C-A-L-I-S-T-E-R. Yeah. Um, like Instagram, Twitter. I got a TikTok, but I don't know the first thing about making a damn TikTok video. I just watch everybody else's. Yeah. Facebook, it's Joe Hopkins. Really simple and easy. Um, anybody, any of the fans, hit me up. Yeah. Shoot me a message. Let me know you heard this podcast. Man, we'll get we'll talk about some stuff. I'll send you out some pictures or something. And hey, also people listening, like wrestling fans, if you have like a question for Gator about absolutely, you should call the Corey Hotline. Corey Hotline and is leave amazing. Leave the message for me, and I will get. It to Gator. Gator will answer your question specifically. Corey Hotline 832-930-1347. You can call it any time of day or night. Leave a message for the show. If you have like a like if you have a question about wrestling or anything that we we're talking about with Gator, you can leave it for him. I, we will 
play it together and talk about it. Uh, 832-930-1347. 832-930-1347, the Corey Hotline. Gator, thank you for being here. John Wayne, thank you, brother. Scarlett, thank Absolutely. you. Scarlett, Lovely thank as you, always. I love seeing Gator. He's <laughs> Absolutely. So y'all check out my man Gator. Uh, check everything else out I do at johnwayneisdead.com. Uh, I'll be in Williamsburg this Next coming weekend. up weekend for yeah. Scares That Care, one of my favorite events. So check Gator that out. Joe uh, what? Oh, yeah. You know Joe Ripple? Yeah. Shouts yeah. out Joe Ripple. Yep. He runs a great, yep. great convention, Scares That Care. I'll be there, but you can check out all that and everything at johnwayneisdead.com. Check out uh, Gator. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you, you darling. Thank you. Bounty, thanks for barking. And uh, <laughs> all right, we'll see you later. Bye.